This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Packer and Durham pre-power hour is upon us. Number is 844-SAY-ACCN. That's 844-SAY-ACCN. We continue to stream live on the ESPN app. I appreciate Andy Bitter joining us in hour number one and talking about Virginia Tech football. We have more guests coming your way. A bunch of them, as a matter of fact. Yeah, you bet. David Hood will be here in about oh, 10 minutes or so. He'll talk about Clemson Force. I think it's David Hood's debut on this program. Uh, that would be right on television. It would be. Just, yeah. That is correct. Yeah, we've had David on the old radio show. Mike Rooney at 830. Uh, we'll talk about Omaha. We'll check in on our U.S. Open draft uh, from yesterday. And then 9 o'clock hours full. Paul Maneri will be here. And so will Eric Backich, the new Clemson baseball coach. All four were done. At, uh, at 10 o'clock. Uh, so Notre Dame goes tonight, <clears throat> 7 o'clock against Texas out at Charles Schwab Field in Omaha. And when Notre Dame takes the bump today, they'll be trying to do something only two other ACC teams have done. Yes, yeah, see, while the league has sent a team to the College World Series for 16 straight years, they only have two national championships. And those two were 60 years apart. Seven years ago, Virginia. <laughs> 67 years ago, <clears throat> Wake Forest back. Hard to believe. Well, it'd be, it, it would not be hard to believe if you never got to Omaha. Like, well, we were just never there. If we ever got there, we'd win one. That has never, ever been the problem for baseball in the Atlantic Coast Conference. League's always been good. It's always been talented, always right. been deep. Uh, and getting to Omaha is not the issue. The bigger issue is, can you close? This stat line right here is all you need to know. 241 regional berths, 60 top eight seeds. That's eight national seeds, by the way. 55 College World Series appearances, seven title games, but only two natties. I mean, again, let that marinate a second. 55 College World Series appearances, and only twice have you walked away with hardware. So would it be a big deal for Notre Dame to close the deal? Yes, it would. It'd be great for Notre Dame. It'd be great for the ACC for whatever reason. Omaha has been a nightmare for this league. It really has. It, it, and yeah, it makes it no sense whatsoever, but it is what it is. And you can't sugarcoat 55 appearances in only two W's. That, that's, that is crazy. It's nuts. Yeah. It's, it's, and the think about the teams, and you said this, I think, a week ago about Super Regionals and then to Omaha and the differences, right? The difference last week compared now to the – the difference of this event, and we ran through the format in hour one of double elimination on <clears throat> on the four teams and whatnot. But you start to think about the teams that have been to Omaha representing the ACC that did not win a College World Series. Then you think about last week's implications. We've talked a lot about Tennessee being arguably one of the best college baseball teams of this century, right? And not getting out of the Super Regional. So there's a level of difficulty last week, and now it ramps up this week because there is a finality to this. 
there's no place else to go if it doesn't go well here. And I, I think it's a, interesting to look at just the teams. And it's and it's we're talking about the league here, but nationally, some really good teams go to Omaha and don't win the College World Series. And Mark, and you know this as well as I do, this event tends to lend itself to the dramatic. What did we talk about? Arkansas a couple of years ago is a foul ball away from the College World Series. Just catch the ball. Catch it, it's over. And it gets away from you. Right. I, you know, there's three teams, there's three schools in particular in the ACC that have a tremendous baseball tradition. Tremendous. Florida State, North Carolina, and Clemson. Terrific. Right. I mean, you go through their history, you go, wow, 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 wow. All of them have gotten to Omaha. I think it's I think it's a dozen or more. At least it's, I know Florida State's in the twenties without off the top of my head memorizing all the numbers, and they got zero right. to show for it. As far as hey, where's the banner? And, and you know, it's one of those kind of things that just eventually you're due, right? The due factor. You're just kind of due to go ahead and close it a couple more times. And like I said, the conference would be one thing if you just never got there, right? Well, we don't have we yeah. don't win it because we never get there. Man, that is never a problem for this conference in baseball. It is always discussed as one of the premier leagues, if not the, normally an ACC-SEC thing, quite frankly. And the Pac-12's had a great run, Mm -hmm. too. But, man, when you look at the bottom line of, hey, did you have the dog pile? Yes or no? I mean, it's it's a bottom line business. Uh, That's why it would be such a big deal, in my opinion, for Notre Dame to close it. Right to get there and win right. the whole deal. Great for Notre Dame and be phenomenal for the ACC. Yeah, and uh, I mean we talk about waking fifty-five and Virginia in fifteen at this event, and there have been times in this sixteen-year streak of the ACC where it didn't look like they were going to make it. Right, they didn't look like they were going to get a team there. I mean, the, we joked about the rally bourbon the other night with Florida State at LSU pack. That was one year, right? Um, you know, and then this year, you had four teams in the in the Super Regional, and the least likely one is the one that's there. Yep. Right? It's exactly right. It's exactly uh-huh. right. Uh, I, I can't, you know, I, if I knew the answer to this, I would be spreading the wealth and, uh, and be back in Italy telling everybody how it gets done. <laughs> I mean, it's like Link Jared said, though. I'll say it again, and I think he's 100% right. The team that executes yeah. the best is going to win. It doesn't matter if you've won fifty yeah. some odd games like Tennessee did, or if you're like Ole Miss and you're you know you won thirty something, but man, you got hot at the right time. It's baseball's different, and I, again, mm-hmm. I can't think of another sport that the number one overall seed has not won the championship this century. I mean, go, you pick a sport, and uh, you cannot find a stat like what college baseball gives you. And it's, it's a reason you watch, and there's a reason why all eight of these teams that are going to be getting out of bed today and tomorrow for getting ready for game one go, hey, let's go win this thing. I mean, it, and that's why I laughed yeah. when you said Texas is the favorite. I mean, based on what? Somebody put more money on Texas? The Texas fans who have got more money than God spend money on? That may mean they're a favorite. I mean, so I, I don't know who's going to win this thing. I really don't. And that's why you can't wait to watch it. Can't wait. A uh, couple of things here to show you. First of all, what would it be? National championships won by sports since 1999 in the ACC of membership at the time. You see 10 in men's lacrosse, eight in men's basketball, four in football, just the one in baseball. So it would be obviously very important there. Now, 
let's go bigger picture here. Since the College World Series field expanded in 1999, the ACC has had 34 appearances. Just one title. Compare that to other leagues. And when you start to look at the numbers of appearances in Omaha with national titles, that's the scary part here. Only one national title in those 34 appearances since 1999. The SEC has eight titles in 53 appearances. Um, Pac-12 has five in 29, and the Big 12 has two in 29. So that would show you right there what a Notre Dame national title would mean in, uh, in college baseball. And it also tells you, too, given the fact the stat we gave you with Texas, which is so remarkable that this is the 75th College World Series and Texas has been in 38 mm. of them. Uh, and you start thinking about the you think about the Big 12. I mean, the Big 12 kind of feels like the ACC a little bit. Man, we get there all the time, but can we close? Yep. And how fitting do we have Notre Dame and Texas, a little Big 12 ACC action going tonight at 7 p.m. Again, knock on wood that Mother Nature doesn't screw things up. But uh, tournament's great. There it's awesome. It always delivers. And you just simply do not know how this thing's going to play out. Nope. You're right about that. Uh, And, of course, it begins this afternoon, 2 o'clock. Irish and Longhorns, 7 o'clock tonight, as Pac says, though. eh, May have a Friday afternoon shower every once in a while in Nebraska, so could be 7 or uh, a little later tonight on ESPN. Uh, We have more to come. Mike Rooney coming up bottom of the hour. Paul Maneri, who coached Notre Dame's last College World Series team in 2002, will join us. Ironically, they were honored earlier this year in South Bend on a baseball weekend to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the College World Series. And lo and behold, here are the Irish again. And Eric Backage at 930, the new Clemson baseball coach. But on the other side, David Hood joins us of TigerNet.com. Our two-a-days continue with the Clemson Tigers. DJ Uyunglele, Will Shipley in the offense. And they get it cranked up behind what is expected to be as good a defensive unit as Clemson has fielded in a while. All that more next on ACC Network. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham. Two days continue on a Friday. We start with a little hokey, hokey, hokey high in hour number one. And now we're going down to Death Valley. David Hood's going to join us here momentarily and talk about there is so much going on with Clemson. It's not even funny, not only from a football perspective, but also a baseball perspective, Wes. And we'll talk to the new Clemson baseball coach coming up in uh, the power hour, about an hour and 15 minutes from now. Yeah, Eric Backage will join us, fresh off uh, taking Michigan to another NCAA tournament. And, of course, College World Series a couple of years ago. But first, let's roll up there to – to Anderson, Clemson, Pendleton, Metroplex, if we will. David Hood joins us, TigerNet.com. David, good morning. How are we? Hey, good morning, Wes. Good morning, Mark. Doing good. Early early morning for me, but I like it. By the way, that's quite yeah, a pad well, you got there in Clemson. Now, well, is that a uh, new <laughs> condo you just built? I mean, well, what's going on in the backdrop there? Hey, look, you, you know that there's all kinds of uh, – um, uh, building going on here in Clemson, so I'm I'm sitting in Dabo's new restaurant. I'm going to be a line cook. Uh, Dabo and I are going to be a little bit later this summer. Yeah, you know, uh, you being that- a you being a sous chef, that seems to make a whole lot of sense. I can't wait to try the yeah. prime ribs, sir. That'd be fantastic. Well, yeah. we'll see how much food makes it to the table. I, I don't That's know. You've it. seen me, you know. 
I like it. Hey, David, if if I were to say what has been lost in all of this is Clemson is still kind of Clemson, would you go with that? Because it feels like, you know, Clemson had another win, another campaign of 10 or more wins. Dabo's talked about it. Yeah, they had right. some bumps early. Uh, lost to Georgia, who ended up being pretty good, by the way. Um, lost at NC State, who ended up being pretty good, by the way. Do you have a sense, though, that the Tigers had enough of uh, enough teeth gnashing going on that uh, they're going to come back with a little more bite this fall. I do, and, and you know it's it's all once again going to start with with the defense. Brent Venables is is gone. He's out in Oklahoma now, and he, he took a couple of coaches with him. But Wes Goodwin, Mickey Kahn, those guys are are ready to to rock and roll. And you know when when I'm out there watching that defense this spring. You know, I kind of had a sense that this was even going to be better than last year's unit, which was still a, you know, a top 10 unit nationally. These guys are going to be really good. It's all going to depend on the offense. Uh, you know, can DJ Uyangalale, you know, is he going to be accurate? Is Cade Clubnick going to play? Is the offensive line going to be better than, than what it was last year when it was really, really bad? Are the wide receivers going to stay healthy? Uh, you know, a lot of questions, but yeah, you, you you kind of come out of the spring and you have these kind of off-the-record conversations with coaches. And, uh, you know, we just had Dabo Sweeney's high school camp last week. And you talk to guys again, you go, what's it going to be like? And, and they all kind of look at you and go, we think we're going to be pretty good. And, you know, it's, it's always good when Dabo Sweeney has, uh, has the ability to create a chip. When he says, hey, everybody's against us. Um, not that Dabo would, would quote Paul Feinbaum, but say, hey, you know, we're yesterday's news. We're, we're gone. Nobody cares about us anymore. And when he has the ability to do that, then you, you better watch out. They, they have a tendency to be pretty good. Uh, David, of, of this remarkable run that Clemson's been on, and they're still on it, by the way, for some folks that don't believe that. Uh, I mean, they've only won 11 straight years of 10 or more. That's not bad. Um, but right. Last year, though, was the first time that I can remember, and you've been doing this for a long time, the last time I can remember Clemson having one of those years from an injury standpoint where they literally, by the end of the year, even during the year, uh, their depth was absolutely pushed to the hilt last year. And I mean, you can't win 10 games and have the injuries that they had without having ridiculous talent. But they've now, I can't remember a year that they had, like last year, where it just seemed like, man, it's basically the second unit going out there trying to win games. And they found ways to win just because that defense was so good. Uh, Dabo told us uh, during the spring, no, nothing against his son, Will Sweeney. He said, but if you would have told me earlier this year, Will Sweeney's going to start the last three games of the season. You know, he, he's going to start against Wake Forest. He's going to start against South Carolina. He's going to have to start in the bowl game. I would tell you that something's gone horribly, terribly wrong. And and he's like, and it did. We, we, we you know, we're down several guys. Wide receivers, you, you had a couple of walk-ons that were out there starting in South Carolina. Uh, when it ended up after the, the win over Ohio State in the, the Cheez-It Bowl, you know, he came out and he admitted there were 31, 32, 33 scholarship guys that missed the game. So when you're down to, you know, guy, high, high 40s, low 50s in the number of scholarship players that are actually available to play, and you still go out and you beat a quality opponent in, in Iowa State, yeah, that's a lot of ridiculous talent, especially defensively, especially with the new coaching staff kind of on the defensive side of the ball. I think that says a lot about the culture of the program. And, uh, you know, right now they're, they're just looking to get healthy. They're going to have a lot of these guys back. They're going to have 
um, a couple of really good defensive players back, guys like Brian Bercy on the defensive line. All the wide receivers are supposed to be back. They've added a couple of talented freshmen, uh, a kid by the name of Adam Randall, who's going to make an impact by midseason. So ridiculous talent is right, and, and I don't think they're going anywhere. All right, I want to get down to some of these principles here in relationship to the quarterback because you just said it. Uwe Ungalale, if he is uh, more efficient in terms of his completion percentage, those kinds of things, then this situation will take care of itself. Uh, I've heard a lot about the weight loss. Eric McLean told me about that. I, I don't know if the kid was in or out of shape a year ago. That's that's his story to tell us. Can Klubnik challenge for the position? And if so, is that a good thing for Clemson? Kay Klubnik can and will challenge for the position, and it's a great thing for Clemson. Uh, and not that DJ lacked desire or want to or that competitive fire last year. I really think that that Georgia game destroyed his confidence. I had a front row seat for that. I was down there on the goal line. I had gone down to the field early in the game to help my boss shoot a few photos. I saw how bad that offensive line was, and he didn't have time to throw the football. It affected him all year long, uh, but he came back. Uh, with the weight loss, it's going to enable him to be a little bit more of a factor in that read option, you know, pull the ball, run it game that Clemson is famous for. But I'll tell you about this Cade Klubnik kid. Everybody that, that was able to watch the spring practices, they say, hey, this kid's the real deal. He's going to be really good. And at Dabo's camps, you know, he's, he's one of those, you, know, you hear it in basketball all the time, a gym rat, kid who's always in there shooting. Well, Kay Klubnik was always out there waiting for the kids to get off the field if he wasn't coaching. And he was finding a wide receiver to throw to. And he was out there in the heat, didn't matter. You know, if it was in the evening, didn't matter. Uh, Kay Klubnik's always out there wanting to throw with somebody. And he's going to push him. And, uh, you know, he's kind of a slimmer guy. He's going to start the season a little over 200 pounds. He's got crazy skills in the, in the run game. So he's more of what Clemson looks for in a quarterback. And I think DJ's going to have a hard time fending him off. David, about the staff. Um, you know, there's some schools like NC State, everything's intact. That's why a lot of folks believe NC State could be the team to beat in the Atlantic. Clemson's had, for the first time in a while, a major shift in terms of staff personnel. Now, granted, some of these guys had a chance yeah. to coach in the bowl game. Clemson beats Iowa State. You mentioned how talented they were with Matt Campbell's guys. Is that now kind of a foregone conclusion that, hey, all right, we got to sample that, let's move on? Or is there still a sense of, well, let's just see how this thing works out moving forward? Yeah, I think because Mickey Kahn has been on staff and then you had Wes Goodwin come in, uh, he's been on staff. He wasn't able to be a, an on-the-field coach. You know, There wasn't really a lot of continuity loss because Wes has been a part of the game plan. Wes has been – out there with these guys. Mickey has been out there with these guys. So, you know, on that side of the ball, not a lot of continuity lost. And I think everything's going to be okay there. Now, where I'm really interested to see what happens is offensively because Tony Elliott, Jeff mm -hmm. Scott, those were the guys that, that called plays for forever uh, since Chad Morris left at the end of the 2014 season. Uh, so now you've got Brandon Streeter. He called plays uh, against Ohio State when Tony Elliott had COVID a couple of years ago. Call plays in the bowl game this year, but he hasn't really called plays full time since 2013 when he was at Richmond. And now you're adding Kyle Richardson, who was on staff. He was an analyst, high school coach, winning record here in South Carolina, won a couple of state championships. Now you're adding him as the tight ends coach and passing game coordinator. 
<clears throat> excuse me, while they say, you know, nothing's really going to change, they did talk about tweaks. Uh, may not see as much of that wide receiver screen if it's not working. Uh, trying to get guys to just run past the marker, turn around, find the spots in the zone. So I'm kind of anxious to see. So for me, offensively, yeah, I think there are question marks. Uh, I want to see how, considering how bad everything went offensively last year, now you're going to add in a couple of guys. Uh, Kyle's going to the tight end, passing game coordinator. Brandon's calling play, still working with the quarterback. C.J. Spiller's a running backs coach now. I think there are questions on that side, and 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 I want to see. And uh, yeah, I think we're probably going to get to midseason before we have a real feel uh, for how it's going to work out. All right, David. A couple things left here that we do. These are uh, part of the production elements, as we like to call them. Uh, first of all, we got to look at the schedule. Um, we knew about Georgia. It was discussed last year. This year, it's a, a Monday night game, Labor Day night at Georgia Tech at Mercedes Benz. Uh, where are the bumps in your mind? As somebody who follows the program closely, what games concern you here for Clemson in 22? Well, you know, so, so there's a, a few. Uh, you, you talk about playing at Wake Forest, NC State, Boston College, three games in a row. So NC State, to me, that, that game's going to be a little bit of the revenge factor. Clemson had won 13 in a row in the series. NC State wins it last year. NC State feels like they're going to have a really good team this year. I think they are. Uh, and so there's going to be that revenge factor. Then the next week, you go to Boston College, who's got a pretty good quarterback, you know, and, and Phil uh, Dracovic. So, so, you know, Jeff Halfley and those guys are going to be ready to play. You have to be careful of that letdown on the road the week after an emotional game. I think Florida State is, is going to be a, a tougher out this year, and that's going to be in Doak Campbell. Uh, Clemson a couple of years ago embarrassed them there, so you're going to look at – you know, Mike Norvell and those guys, are they going to come after him pretty hard there? Yeah, absolutely. But everybody's circling that game at Notre Dame in early November. Uh, I know Notre Dame's got some tough games before that. I know Notre Dame's going to play, uh, you know, maybe is it at Ohio State early in the season. Everybody's looking at that one. But, right. Uh, that Notre Dame game where Clemson lost a couple of years ago, uh, it's going to be a night game in South Bend. That's going to be a lot of fun. That's the one game I'm circling. Uh, that that I think is is the big the big question mark for the Tigers. All right, here's one I'm going to leave right. you with because uh, the one game you did not mention was Miami, which is after Notre Dame right. in November. And who knows? We may see that game twice for all we know. But the Tigers, it's been so long since they've lost a game in Death Valley. In fact, I think I mentioned it yesterday was the Pitt game back in '16. You look at that home mm-hmm. schedule. Do you think they run the table again at home? At the end of the day, there's still a zero in the mm. L column. Wow. I actually wow. do. Yeah, I, I actually do. Um, I think that this this home schedule sets up very nicely for them. I think the defense, which feeds off of a home crowd, is, is going to be good enough. You know, if they're going to trip up, I think it's going to be on the road. All right. David All right. Hood covers the Tigers for Tiger.net, makes his television debut as part of the Packer and Durham program. Old friend from the ACC Central Pack. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember that. We had, we had Hood on during the Central, back during the uh, – you know, days when we were on the Philco in the living room there on the radio. So, hey, David, I had a thank bit you. More appreciate it. Then. Yeah, then we all. Well, so we all did. So yeah, did we Packer. all did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we I'll all did, David. We all had more hair back yeah. then. It's all right. So, hey guys, be well. I appreciate this. This was, this was fun, and, and let's do it again. You got it. Always a pleasure, man. Okay. Keep up the good work. You got it. Thank be you well. Guys. David Hood. You bet. Our pleasure. Uh, when we continue on Packer and Durham, we are going live to Omaha, Nebraska. 
Notre Dame plays tonight at 7 o'clock. Let's get an alum on the show, Pack. Let's get one of them old Irish baseball players. Mike Rooney joins us next on Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham Friday show continues. We go from uh, Death Valley, Clemson, South Carolina to another hot spot. That would be Omaha, Nebraska, where the College World Series gets underway this afternoon. The ACC gets in action tonight with Notre Dame taking on Texas. Again, double elimination, Wes, as you pointed out. Uh, You can't lose it Mm -hmm. today or tomorrow, but uh, you want to get off to a good start. That is really paramount, this first opening game, without question. Uh, Mike Rooney joins us next from Uh, Omaha, right? He's all over it. He knows what this is all about. Looks morning, like he's fresh off the Notre Dame alumni party. Look, how was that Notre <laughs> Dame alumni party last night? We getting cranked up last night. I we we had some ESPN stuff going on last night, which is really it's fun to see everybody. You know, the Notre Dame people are just getting into town. I actually did see Palmineri already, which was really cool. You know, it's the 20th anniversary of the 2002 Notre Dame team that came here under Palmineri, and Brian O'Connor was the pitching coach of that team, which is really cool. So they're just getting into town. I think the fact that we're a day early this year is people are still getting used to that. But um, I am two steaks in, boys, so we get that going for us. Boy, those whiskey steaks are hard to beat, man, right? I mean, we've – I try yes. to tell folks, Mike, you know, you go out there, the people are great, the baseball is great, the stadium, but, man, the food. Omaha knows what they're doing. It's a perfect site to host this event. And I think it's the best NCAA tournament event, yes. all of them. I mean, yeah, you cannot it, beat it. It kind of – it feels like the World Cup in soccer. That's what I picture this like, where the whole city kind of shuts down and embraces the event. And, um, you know, of course, we went to the Drover the first night, which is the famous um, kind of old-fashioned steakhouse out here. You get your own tongs at the salad bar. Um, it, we call it the world's greatest salad bar. Uh, so anyway, yeah, it's it's just, it's an awesome event. And I would tell you guys from a, you know, ESPN, ACC Network, SEC Network perspective, it's amazing the talent this place um, attracts. It's a really coveted event at our company, as you guys know. And so, yeah, it's, it's so fun. It, it, it's um, just thrilled to be here. I think we've lost West Durham's audio, so I will go from here. Um, let's go about from an ACC perspective, Mike. You know, a week mm-hmm. ago, we're getting ready to jump on the Super Regionals. We got four teams in, right? And now all of a sudden, you're kind of, all right, let's roll the dice, see where it goes. And if you had to rank the ACC's chances of getting to Omaha, you probably, if you have a mind, would say, well, Notre Dame's got the biggest uphill schedule, right? I mean, they got to go to Notre Dame, yes. they got to go to uh, Tennessee. That's the best team in college baseball that we've seen in forever. And here we go now. We fast forward to clock. North Carolina, sitting at home, Virginia Tech sitting at home you know you got louisville sitting at home and but it's notre dame that survived the super regional of all places knoxville and they're the last man standing how, how surprising is it the number one it's notre dame and the fact it's only notre dame from the acc yeah there's a great scene in the movie hitch where packets you know will smith goes that's not how i saw it going in my mind right, right. like uh, right. we, we I, I saw i saw at least one acc team that was going to be here but uh, this is not the picture that I had. I mean, certainly we knew Notre Dame could win, and, you know, it's a really good team. I mean, you look at winning percentage, Notre Dame's one of the top five teams in the country over the last five years. But, you know, as Link Jarrett said, to beat that team, Tennessee, in that stadium, Lindsey Nelson Stadium, 
was a really tall task. And, you know, Louisville and A&M felt like a push. I, you know, I kind of felt like Oklahoma and, and Virginia Tech was a push. It was it was hard to decide on North Carolina, North Carolina and Arkansas. Those were two teams that um, were, were fairly confusing over the course of the year, but really hot late. Um, but here we are. And, and um, I would say this was the most unlikely scenario. It does. And I mentioned this to Link Jarrett the other day when he was on with this. Uh, they've got the lowest team ERA of the eight that are remaining. We go to the big mm-hmm. ballpark. And I know it's playing smaller than it has before. And I know the ball's popping like nobody's business in terms of home runs. But does Notre Dame, are they kind of built to really be successful in this venue, given the building and the way they play and their experience as far as being an old team, great defense, throws the ball, pitch well, the whole yeah. thing? I mean, seems like they're kind of matched perfectly for Omaha. Yeah, and I would say, Pac, it's like Notre Dame is actually, it, for all the reasons that you just said, I actually think they're built for anything. You know, what you could argue what they weren't built for is what they just did last weekend. Right. You know, to take down that Tennessee team, but, you know, in, in that park that's very homer friendly. But, you know, Notre Dame, you mentioned it. Every day when they put 10 kids on the field, if you include the pitcher, nine of them are going to be a college graduate. You know, John Michael Bertrand has three degrees from college and graduate school. Um, They're very cerebral that, you know, Link Jarrett's talked about this, like this team has the aptitude where they can assess the variables of that day, uh, umpire, stadium, weather conditions, and then they can apply what's going to work from a baseball perspective that day. And it's 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 very unusual. I don't know that I've ever seen a team that's this instinctive in that way. but boy, they're, they're, it's really a fun team. And, you know, no, again, here, as Link would say, you, you still have to execute. Just because you know what to do doesn't mean that you accomplish it. Um, so they're going to have to execute and they're going to face some really good teams out here. But um, yeah, I, I think Notre Dame um, is a team you could talk yourself into as, as much as any of these teams. Uh, I mentioned to Wes earlier, I think one of the most amazing stats in all of college sports is the fact that this is the 75th College World Series. And Texas has been in it 38 mm. times. That means 37 times they were sitting on the couch like the rest of us watching all this stuff. That that stat is ridiculous. How big a deal is experience? You mentioned the fact that Notre Dame has not been back in 20 years. Paul Maneri, who will be on with us, coming up here in about 45 minutes. Is it a big deal or is it a non-factor when we finally get to this point? Yeah, I would say it's funny you say that too, Pat, because, you know, Texas beat East Carolina to get here right at East Carolina in Greenville. And so now the number of college world series appearances is Texas 38 ECU zero, you know, the, 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 the person in me that loves the idea of fairness, man, that just feels colossally unfair. Right. All that said, you know, I, there's a lot to deal with out here, right? Like you're doing autographs nonstop. If you're a player, you're playing in front of 25,000 plus um, the media attention is immense there's a lot to take on out here. So, you know, Texas and Stanford having been here last year with a lot of the same kids, is that an advantage for them? Yeah, I, I think that's there's no question about it. But at the, at the same time, Pac, it really just boils down to who deals with all those things the quickest and just gets to baseball. You still got to play nine innings of baseball. And if you ask me what College World Series this, this, does this remind me of, it kind of reminds me of 2016. And that's the year Coastal Carolina came here They'd never been here before, and they win the whole dang thing. So, I, yeah, it, it's really fascinating. It's a lot to take in. You know, we're speaking about Notre Dame. I don't know that it's a big deal for those kids. I mean, they're they're a very mature group. 
Only two national seeds survive. Does it, again, I think it goes back to what your point is about 2016, that, hey, you know, you could tell me that Texas is the favorite, but I'm not sure exactly what that means based on, hey, you got to go play. You got to go figure this thing out. Yep. Yeah, we, we've got this thing going on in college baseball where heavy is the head that wears the crown, right? Three straight years, our number one seed um, has not even made it to Omaha. They've been clipped in the super regional rounds. We haven't had a number one overall seed win the national title since Miami did it in 99. And that was the first year this format. It, you know, I'm sure other sports are like this too. It's just hard. It's hard to be the team everybody's gunning for. You're taking everybody's best shot. Um, but again, because some of those prohibitive favorites aren't here, there isn't a prohibitive favorite in um, this College World Series. I mean, Texas, Stanford, you know, those are two teams that are really top of mind for me because of their position player groups and because they were here last year. But by no means do I think that, that Texas and Stanford are, you know, lopsided favorites. I, again, I really believe you could talk yourself into any one of these eight teams. Um, obviously, the game's the most important thing. Being in Omaha is the most mm-hmm. important thing. But there is this other story that's brewing, and it's tied into the ACC, and that's in the sense that Florida State's job is now open. Uh, We know about Mm -hmm. Link Jarrett and that relationship and so forth. And I know all he wants to talk about is his team. Hey, let's go win a national championship. I don't want to hear about all this other stuff. I got a great job in Notre Dame. Uh, Big picture, it it seems like an easy connection of dots, doesn't it? Link Jarrett, great success. Florida State, job open. How do you think that plays out? Yeah, I would say I'll give you two thoughts on this pack. One is, you know, most often in college sports, particularly in baseball, when a coach is, uh, you know, the subject of all these types of rumors, it usually affects the team in a very negative way. But I think Notre Dame is really unique because, you know, like we said, nine of the 10 kids are graduates. The 10th kid is Jack Brannigan, who's a for sure draft pick. So I think these kids are looking at this like, hey, you know, we're all looking for jobs. Link's looking for a job. It's like it's all good, right? Like there's no there's there's not prominent young players that are worried about who's going to be my coach next year because the whole group is moving on you know the florida state thing is interesting to me because you know let's just call fish a fish florida state just fired link jarrett's college teammate mike martin jr his college teammate who they terminated is the son of his college coach so i you know behind the scenes are, are mike martin senior and junior saying to link hey we would like you to take the job. Are they saying that, hey, we're really upset at the school and that would be awkward if you took the job? Does all the, do those things matter to Link? Um, you know, what does Notre Dame do to try and keep him? Uh, you know, Link will have many, many job opportunities down the road. He is, you know, an, an exceptional college baseball coach and that, that secret is no longer a secret. So I think it's going to be very interesting, but I don't think it's a done deal by any stretch. Uh, one more uh, coaching question for you from an ACC perspective. Yesterday, the Clemson job got filled with Eric Bakich, who, by the way, will join us coming up next hour, uh, did a phenomenal, not good, but a phenomenal job at Michigan. Do you like the fit of Bakich going to Clemson? Love it. Yeah, home run hire. You know, hey, Eric Bakich did an incredible job at Maryland before Michigan. You know, as you mentioned, Michigan, Pack, remember, like, game three of the finals, he took a Big Ten team to game three of the College World Series Finals in 2019. Not not 1950, not 1975, not 1984. You know, like in this modern era, just an incredible job. And and the other thing is Eric Bakich knows what it looks like at Clemson when it's elite. You know, he he worked for Jack Leggett. 
Um, he's a Tim Corbin disciple. So I, I think it was a home run hire. Um, you know, Clemson baseballs, and that's a that's a that's a great hire. All right, one more thing. Why do you think the ACC has struggled so much in Omaha? We just threw the stats up, and the numbers are scary. Getting to Omaha has never been a problem for a really, really good, talented, consistent baseball league in the ACC. But winning it has been a problem. That's what, I mean, listen, Wake Forest in 55, Virginia in 15. I mean, I, we talked mm-hmm. about Florida State. We talked about Clemson. North Carolina has been there almost a dozen times. Why do you think it's so elusive for the ACC to win this I, thing? Yeah, I think, I think there was, in the past, the ACC was a very top-heavy conference. And so I do think that some of the leagues like the Pac-12 and the, the SEC particularly, those teams maybe were a little bit more tested when they got here. Um, I don't think that's the case anymore, though. And, and I do feel like the ACC's performance in the College World Series is trending up, and Virginia really kind of kick-started that. So I'll be curious to see what that sample size looks like over the, the next 10 years as the depth of the ACC um, has really improved dramatically. So I, I don't know. I, you know, I, but I would say this, like it's, um, it, it, it's just a short tournament, right? Like it, it is a small sample size. And, you know, this year the ACC is at a huge disadvantage because you only got the one team. But if you look at last year, pack, I mean, Virginia and NC state were excellent in this thing and NC state could have won the whole thing. So I, I think that trend is reversing, but of course, you know, the data point is the data point. Virginia is who we got to hang our hat on from, from 2015. All right, final question. If I put the over and under at uh, three and a half whiskey steaks moving forward, would you go over or under for you? I'm trying to, I'm trying to uh, decide if my treating physician is an ACC network viewer because uh, as, we're, as we're working on lowering cholesterol, I think I need to take the under um, per doctor's directions. But wait, we're already at two packs, so it's not – we're. If, no, I, if, if you're betting the under, it's a bad start. I said moving forward. I, I know you got two in your back pocket. So I mean, oh, okay, moving forward. Moving forward. Because I, 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 I'm going to go over. We have to take the under. No. Under no, I, I know better. Those things are too good, man. You can't just sit there and go, man, I'm not going to be back here for another year. You know what? Hey, well, let's throw That's another awesome. one on there. Let's go. Let it rip. That's well, right. listen, I'm jealous That's because it. it's such a great road trip. It's an incredible event. Uh, and I'll get started this afternoon. Notre Dame, Texas tonight. And uh, we always appreciate the time, Mike. Enjoy it. Happy Father's Day. All that good stuff. You too, man. Have a great weekend. You got it. Mike Rooney joins us from Omaha. Quick break. When we come back, we switch gears. We talk golf. Time to look at the U.S. Open Packer and Durham draft. How did we do yesterday? Some better than others. We will explain. And we'll take phone calls, too, at 844 844- Say ACCN. We'll see if we can't find West Durham. I'm Mark Packer. It's Packer and Durham right here on ACC Network. Here's Mark Packer and West Durham. Omaha, Nebraska. That is the place to be this week. I'm telling you, it will be rocking today and tonight all weekend long. So is the U.S. Open. It won't be bad either. Brookline played tough yesterday, didn't it? Brookline looked great. Every My day, gosh. every day it plays <clears throat> tough. That is a, as Curtis Strange said, yeah, it's, it's an old school American classic. That's what that track is. And then, yeah. guys, it's all about fairways and greens, yeah. man. It's the U.S. Open. 
Man, I wanted to get on that course yesterday. That place looked gorgeous. And yeah. The you, ball you know, was rolling on the Yeah, ground. you'd get out there for about six holes and go, you know what? Uh, I believe I'm going to go have a cocktail. That, that thing would bring you to your knees, brother, after about six holes. You'd had enough. That's it. All right, let's get a let's get a quick check of the uh, Packer and Durham U.S. Open draft that we conducted yesterday. Look at Angela Travato making a move early. I don't with her believe that's on this, uh, I don't believe that's eight. accurate. I do not believe that is accurate. In fact, I know it's not accurate. No, I don't think that's accurate. No, because yeah, I know I, that around because. I know who's in last place. Now, I like I like the so way that I. I like the way that leaderboard looked, but I know who's in last place. And uh, hey, Brooks Kepka, uh, Florida State guy, you're you're my guy this week. Uh, it's time to start making some putts, Brooks. Seriously, you make fun of and to think that DeChambeau all you want, but it's time to start making some putts today, or else we're going to be on the couch again, missing a cut. To think that uh, to think that you stole my guy yesterday on the pro pick, yeah, and Matt, I had to I go know. with Matt Fitzpatrick instead of Patrick Cantlay, and it ends up being a winner by eight shots for me. I mean, because Fitzpatrick was one off the lead. My man's Zalatoris now. Holy cow! I need Zalatoris to you know hit the ball in the fairway too. Now he's long enough. I just need it in the fairway and on the greens. Well, you and Josh. But, uh, Josh Macri are at red three, three under par with your two guys. There we are. Mm-hmm. And uh, Angela's at plus one. I'm at plus five. So I'm in danger zone of being missing the cut and sitting on the couch like everybody else. But we have a uh, co-leader with you and Josh Macri at uh, minus three through the first round of our combination. Very nice. Nice debut by Angela, by the way. Let's give her credit. Right, Pat? Nice debut. Hey, everybody. Everybody did well. Macri. Macri been through the drill. He knew what was going on. Um, so that's where we are uh, on the Packer and Durham U.S. Open Draft. Monday, we will bring you the happy final, as they say. Uh, speaking of golf, now this is the time of year in June where it gets a little slow. So if you're following your favorite ACC player on social media, there's no telling what you'll see. Yesterday, Xavier Thomas. Now remember, when we talk about Xavier Thomas, kids <laughs> – we are talking about just to just to make sure six foot two, two hundred eh, seventy five pounds pack right. He is a big, maybe more strong dude. Is who he is. Quarterbacks right. heat so seeking Xavier missile. Thomas. That's it. Here we go. There he is. That's his normal nine to five, as they say. Um, yesterday tweeted out. Hit the course for the first time today. 240 yards out, double bogey, and a bogey on the last two holes out of nine. So, I'll be going to get fitted for my own club soon. Wow. I like your plan, Xavier. Yeah. Tell you what, that was a big deal for him coming back. He and K.J. Henry were two guys that uh, on the defensive side, and Clemson's got so much talent on that side, it's stupid. Yeah. Those are two dudes that you almost thought, well, they'll be gone. You know, let's catch you later. Mm-hmm. The fact that they both decided yeah. to come back in addition to all that defensive line talent, uh, I think they're going to yep. be filthy on the defensive side. I mean, really, really uh, special. I'm not telling the folks at ClemsonTigers.com how to handle their content here in the offseason, but you got some football and basketball players up there that like to play golf. 
you might want to stage a little three-hole challenge with uh, Thomas and some of these other guys on the football side with some of these cats in basketball that like to play golf. Might be an interesting little three-hole challenge. I know a couple of years ago we did the all-access. We got to see Trevor Lawrence swing a golf club, and now he's down at Jacksonville. He's clicking on all the uh, available tracks there in North Florida. So, all right, let's go back to the uh, pack we now have corrected. We've gotten the official USGA yeah, there it update. Is. That's accurate. Here we go. Yeah. Kepka, fresh, uh, Brooks Kepka, fresh off the nuptials. Struggling for you there, Pac. Yeah, I was disappointed in Brooks Kepka oh. yesterday. Like I said, uh, enough yeah. with the uh, Bryce and DeChambeau jokes. It's starting to make some birdies. He needs to go low today. Well, we had Ludacris at the reception. We had Ludacris at the reception for the wedding. So you well, never he, know, man. It might have been a long night prior to Brookline. Well, he kind of played like Ludacris yesterday. Um, got <laughs> Played like Xavier Thomas yesterday. We we got to go low today. We got to get back in the hunt here. That's funny. All right, so there's a look. Packer and Durham U.S. draft, U.S. Open draft update after round one. Uh, another football note here before we get to pulmonary top of the hour. Um, boy, bad, bad, tough loss injury wise for BC. Pete Thamel reporting yesterday. Christian Mahogany's going to miss all of 22 with a torn ACL. This was the only – you heard John Mita Perel in our two-a-days. This was the only starter returning in the offensive line for Jeff Halfley. Uh, you know, I asked John that question this week. I said, you know, are you concerned? I know BC has just produced great offensive linemen, but, man, they lost some really talented guys off that roster from a year ago up front. Yeah. And John was like, oh, man, they're going to be great. They're, you know, they're this and that. That was a big blow yesterday. I mean, we're not talking about just a starter. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that the National Football League is going to see, a big-time player. Yep. Uh, torn ACL out for the year. That is a. Those are the kind of stories you do not want to hear ever, much less in June or now early July when we start getting cranked up with the camps and everything else. But that's a tough break for Jeff Halfley. And if you're Phil Jakovic, you're like, yikes, man. Can't lose that guy, right? We're gonna, we've got all these new guys right. plugging in on the offensive front. But uh, that's a big loss for BC. There's no question about that. You can't sugarcoat it. No, there's no doubt about it. And uh, we'll see what Jeff Halfley has for us in July. You know, here's the thing, too. It happened after spring and now in June. So, realistically, when they get back together in late July, early August, pack for practice, you kind of got to start looking at combinations again. Remember, we talked about a new offensive coordinator and some of the things there. We'll see how all that plays out. But – a bit of a uh, bit of a tough card for Jeff Halfley and BC to have to play now in 22 without mahogany with those other four guys gone for sure. 100% agree. But you know what? Next yeah. man up, let's get to work. That's how you got to do it. You're going to be injuries yeah. across the board. Uh, we'll get through it. We got a busy 9 o'clock. Uh, we'll get to some of your calls as well, 844-SAY-ACCN. We start the 9 o'clock hour 20 years ago Notre Dame went to the College World Series for just the second time in its baseball history. And they went so under the direction of Paul Maneri, who later would go on to do marvelous things at LSU and is recently retired from coaching baseball. And we're going to visit with the former Notre Dame head coach next, along with Clemson's new coach, Eric Backich, all coming up in the 9 o'clock hour of Packer and Durham. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371 and streaming on the ESPN app.